0: Refreshing, delicious and packed with the good stuff. It's The Juice with
1: Louise Wilkinson on Newcastle Live
0: Radio. It's Therapy Thursday and it's my pleasure to introduce Tony Knight, who is a psychotherapist and presenter, who is going to be giving us the lowdown on how we stay fit and healthy upstairs.
1: Thanks, Louise. I absolutely love that description, by the way. Beautiful.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Healthy upstairs. Yes,
1: sitting healthy, fantastic.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, you know, we put a lot into our um, into our gym regime, so we should be doing that for our mind as well, I believe.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> now, today we're going to be talking about something that I'm sure affects so many people. I know that I am very guilty of this and I'm sure that what you have to say on this particular subject is going to hit home a fair bit as we go along, that being burnout. Now, uh, burnout is is obviously something that uh, we hear about a lot because we're juggling jobs and family and trying to be super parents and there are so many things that we're trying to do. But when you see burnout, when you see it in your clinic, what does it look like?
1: Well, it looks slightly different depending on who it is um, because there's a number of different causes of burnout. But, you know, in general, they're going to be people who are tired Mm. and and sometimes really tired, exhausted. Yeah. Um, They are less likely to be engaged in their jobs than they used to be and they know it Um, so there might be a bit more cynicism they might be caring a little bit less about what they're doing and who they're doing it for Um, and that can be distressing for people And, and in fact it may they may have even gone as far as noticing that there's they're having more days absent from work they might be starting to turn up to work late have longer lunches They could even have some performance issues as well, Mm. as well as, of course, a host of physical symptoms that come along with that tiredness, including not being able to sleep well, not eating properly, hitting the alcohol too much. Uh, They could be engaged in more conflicts, those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, okay. So how do we get here? And I'm guessing that it's something that, you know, you've been in practice for a few years now and have you seen an increase in it?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I started um, helping people with burnout a few years ago and then, of course, COVID came along mm-hmm. uh, and that has escalated burnout rates incredibly. I mean, especially in the United States where it's hit much harder, but it's true here as well because Obviously people are worried about their future a lot of people lost their jobs and their incomes people had to juggle working from home with you know having children there and you know recent surveys have shown that burnout people are either partially burnt out or very burnt out to the tune of 67% of the workforce oh, so it's wow. massive now 67% yeah.
0: of the workforce are burnout that blows my yeah, mind. Yeah, so
1: they're either mm. either partially, you know, slightly or, you know, very burnt out because burnout happens along a continuum. It starts small but, of course, people kind of think, oh, you know, it's just me, you know, I'm having a bad day. You know, they tend to blame themselves and, you know, that comes along with the, the old saying, you know, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Mm. And so... People keep quiet about it. They just soldier on and, of course, it gets worse and worse.
0: Mm. Okay, so if I was to take a burnout cocktail, if I, was to, if I was to slam a burnout cocktail back, what sort of things would be in it to get me there? <laughs> because I, I know that it'd be a, a va- there'd be a vast different array of things, but in your experience, what are the, the things that contribute the most to getting to the point Hmm. where we're burnt out?
1: Well, I think uh, there are a range of burnout cocktails um, and I've I've described some profiles of the, the different ways that people end up in a state of burnout. Yeah. You know, so for example, the one that I see the most often is what I would call the struggling striver. So this is someone who wants to do well at work, but their workplace is either physically and or psychologically unsafe. And they feel very powerless to do anything about that. And so for those people, they might be micromanaged by their leaders or just the reverse. They, there might be no support whatsoever and, you know, real ambiguity around what they're supposed to do. They might find that they're doing jobs that are well outside their job description and things that they're not really very trained or supervised for. Mm. Often in these places they're overworked. Uh, and expected to do work outside of the hours that um, that they're paid for. Mm. Um, they're not given the resources to do the job well or to do it safely, and so they're having to take real risks and cut corners where they don't want to. And, you know, they're in workplaces where it's really unfair, where decisions tend to favour certain people and they get overlooked for things like promotions, training, you know, and other opportunities. So that's the the struggling striver, and that's definitely the most common one that I see. Right. But I think there's others. I think that there are survivors of aggression. So, you know, and, and I wouldn't say necessarily, by the way, that people fit into one profile. It's quite often the case, unfortunately, that they've had a number of these cocktails,
0: yeah. but,
1: you know, the yeah. survivor of aggression, you know, is someone who, um, you know, experiences physical or emotional abuse. And mm-hmm. at the workplace, that's things like bullying, threats, being excluded by others, um, discrimination, harassment, unhealthy conflict, even physical violence mm, or wow. exposed to, uh, to trauma. Wow. Uh, and so that will lead to burnout very quickly. The, the third one that I come across is what I call the voiceless helper. And so this is someone who has poor personal boundaries mm. um, and is often really, really overwhelmed. And I must say often the workplace contributes to that by expecting a lot of them and not giving them enough support to do it. So they're kind of doing the jobs of one and a half, even two people. Yeah. But of course, you know, these are people who want to please. They're usually beautiful people that are very, very kind, they always say yes um, when people want help. They love that reputation for being, you know, supportive, helpful, important. They love and hate, you know, having the fact that so many people are dependent on them, but they really feel very stuck in this role because they don't want to disappoint people. Mm. Um, and so they don't look after their own needs. They put themselves last. And, of course, they don't want to reach out for help because they feel like they are being a burden on others. Wow. So that's that group of people. And the final one, and Louise, I don't know, this might be the one that you fit into. I call them the the overachievers. Oh, Um, jeez. She's got me. (laughs) Have I nailed you? (laughs) Um, And so these are people that over-identify with achievement. Um, You know, they're usually very, very capable people. Um, They strongly identify with their work. They don't. They, their boundaries around work-life balance are perhaps a little bit porous, a little bit um, weaker than perhaps they could be. They enjoy the challenge. They love the benefits, and they often have a lot of autonomy um, and ability to achieve. So they really enjoy it. But they push themselves really hard. And again, self-care tends to sort of, you know, be right down
0: the list. Okay, I know it's radio, and people can't see my face right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's certainly a little bit of uh, an admission of yes okay my hands up that could be me yes <laughs> but, uh, but as you were could going be. could be yeah as you were going through that Tony I really identified uh, people that either I work with or that are close to me that fit those profiles 110% and they are burnt out and they are overwhelmed and you know they I just I can't believe how how much I can resonate with each of those profiles and actually have people pop into my head that fit those profiles 110%. So that was that was Damn. absolutely amazing. What we're going to do, we're going to take a little break and when we come back we're going to talk about some strategies that can potentially help with burnout once you've kind of identified the type of burnout that you might be suffering and as Tony said, it could be a cocktail of a few of those. So you might be a little bit punch drunk because you've had four cocktails, a little sip of each one, but <laughs> but we're going yes. to Yeah, we're going to discuss what we might do to address this really big problem. 67% of the population suffering some form of burnout. That is an amazing statistic and one that we really need to sit up and pay attention to. Welcome back to Therapy Thursday and we have the gorgeous Tony Knight who is a psychotherapist and presenter with us today. Previous we were talking about burnout and the different types of burnout that Tony sees come through her practice and I for one could identify with one of those and I could see my loved ones and the people, some of the people that I work with in all of those profiles. So it really made me sit up and pay attention and at 67% of the population suffering some form of burnout, it really is something that needs to be addressed. So, Tony, when someone comes to you and they are burnt out, I mean, obviously there there is a level of burnout that does require professional help and professional help is always uh, you know, a great thing to unpack what's going on and find the solutions um, from someone who is qualified to help you with that. But if we wanted to make small and subtle changes in our lives to try and uh, alleviate some of our burnout, what are some of the things that we could do?
1: Well, I think that um, the answer starts with recognising that you are not to blame. Mm. And so this is one of the things I see with everybody is that they feel that, you know, they are to blame and others tell them that they're to blame as well. The problem with burnout, is that it happens in a system that people don't necessarily recognise or relate to, and it's a very powerful system that operates largely invisibly. Yeah. And so what I'm talking about there is the capitalist system, and, you know, this system, um, you know, it strongly supports things like material acquisition, consumption, individualism competition and efficiency now they're not bad things and i'm not having a go at capitalism here per se because you know those things have brought us a lot of benefits but there is a downside to it Mm. as well those values often come at the cost of our health yeah and i liken it to being in the sun you know the sun we couldn't imagine living without it and there's lots of benefits to having the sun but if we are exposed to the sun relentlessly without any relief, it actually does us a lot of damage. And this is true for the capitalist system as well, I think. Right. Um, And so, you know, the result, I guess, of incorporating those values is that many workplaces start to treat people like they are human resources, you know, units of production, Mm. rather than treating them like people. And this is what gives rise to a lot of the burnout that we see. But of course, as I said, people blame themselves and don't see this very powerful system operating. So one of the first things I do is to help people to see that they're not to blame, they're participating in these systems and some of these systems like workplaces can make them quite ill. However, short of some massive change and certainly there are changes on the way, um, laws and things to make workplaces more psychologically safe, short of that, we are responsible for our own well being. And so, this is helping people to, um, I guess, create what I call their own healthy human ecosystem, which is a really long term for a healthy bubble. Yeah. So, in other words, it's about creating their own little shelter from the sun. They can operate in these systems, but have some protections some things that may mean that they're not fully exposed to all the things that stress us out and wear us out.
0: Right. Yeah. I love it. So how how do we go about doing that? (laughs) So, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It sounds very complicated, but it's it's really not. So when I say a healthy human ecosystem, that can literally, I mean, it has to start with us individually. Mm. And so it is about skilling ourselves up. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about that in just a moment. But those healthy human ecosystems can literally be just the two of you. It could be you and someone else at work who are um, there to kind of, you know, support each other. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't have to just be in the workplaces. Obviously, there can be multiple healthy human ecosystems or bubbles, um, they can be online. Um, And they can be overlapping. There can be different groupings. But I guess the thing that unites all those systems is just that, you know, um, they actively promote physical and mental health. So they need to be places where you can feel safe and comfortable to be yourself. And so how do you go about doing that? Well, the first step is I help people to embrace choice. And it sounds like something you think is like a a no-brainer. But unfortunately, we often feel like we don't have any choices in our workplaces or our lives. And in fact, the more burnt out we get, the less we recognise that we actually do have choices. And some other time, Louise, I'll talk about um, the polyvagal system and the threat response and how that leads us to get feel very, very trapped. But I won't go down that rabbit hole today. Sure. So it's about it's, it's about. Being able to make choices. And I start people off with just making really the smallest, simplest choices because if you're already burnt out, you don't want to be making big choices when you're feeling really depleted or really stressed out. Yeah. But um, the next thing I do is actually help them to be mentally flexible. So this is about shoring up a person's ability to make good decisions. And as I said, if you're burnt out, you're probably not in the best place to make good decisions straight up. Um, And so that's helping people to master their emotions, Mm. um, which sounds like a highfalutin, very difficult thing. But actually, you can make progress on that really quickly, when you understand that you are not your thoughts and feelings. These are things that just happen to you, and they pass through you. Mm. More on that another time, as well. It's a fascinating subject.
0: There's um, <laughs> well, so, so much, <laughs> so much that we could uh, chat about, isn't there, Tony? Oh, I mean, we could it's... go on for hours. We
1: could <laughs> go on for hours. but I won't bore people with that. Um, but you know, so so this is about helping people to master their emotions, connecting people with their values. Yes, is extremely important. So this is understanding what's important to you. What do you stand for? And these values become your guide. If you don't adopt your own values, what happens is that by default, you take on the values of the people around you or the society you live in. Mm. Now, some of those values could be great, but we know that many of them are probably not going to be suitable for you. So it's much better for you to know exactly what matters to you and have a life that's really centered around that. Mm. and hopefully that's going to include your health and well-being they're they're pretty important values yeah because the next step is to prioritize people's energy so another way of looking at burnout is it's about good energy management i think of energy as like gold what are you giving your gold to some things are going to be really worth investing your energy in and some of them you're probably doing habitually and you don't need to invest your energy in that anymore. Yeah. And so it's about kind of taking stock and doing a bit of an inventory of where your energy goes from day to day.
0: Yeah. And I I have this saying that I say to myself and, and those close to me that energy, good or bad, is still energy. It's still energy expended. Yep. So you really need to be yep. looking at where that energy goes. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, because when people actually stop and look at it, and they never really thought about their energy as, as being like gold and never done an inventory. And sometimes when you look at it, so much of what we do is habitual, and to some extent, unnecessary for us to do. And so This taps into a um, a practice called job crafting. Certainly you can do it in your private life as well, in your non-work life, but job crafting is about having a look at your job and going, how can I do things differently so that I am spending my precious energy on the things that really matter, that really count? Um, Sometimes you have to consult with your workplace over that, but quite a few of the smaller things you can usually do, you know, independently. And so just to finish off with the last two strategies for managing burnout, the next one is connecting with other people. We should never manage burnout on our own. And it's sad that the more burnt out we get, the more we tend to want to isolate ourselves because unfortunately over time, if we remain anxious for long periods of time, that depletion can mean that depression starts to kick in and that's where we tend to want to isolate ourselves more and more. Mm. So the idea is to recognise we just, we're a social species, we do better with other people. Uh, It's about being in a good enough place, a safe enough place to connect with those other people, even if it's only one or two others. And finally, in that place of safety, this is about now using your voice, speaking up for the changes that you need to make. Now that could be seeking help. That could be asked, like that could be resolving conflict um, with other people. That could be about changes to the workplace. So it could be about speaking up about workplace health and safety changes, management changes. You know, it's not something that a lot of people feel comfortable doing straight away. And in some toxic workplaces, I would never recommend it. In toxic workplaces, if you can't have a voice and use it, it could be time to leave. Yeah. But short of that, people don't realise what a voice they can actually have when they're with other people and they feel safe enough and they have a strategy for being able to speak up effectively. Not whinge and complain, speak up effectively.
0: Yeah, I love that. Tony, this has been an absolutely fascinating discussion and has hit home on so many levels. And I'm sure that if you're listening to this at home, there there will be stuff that really does uh hit home and it's something that as a society we need to look at but individually you know just going through those points that you've mentioned could be just the start of something that is a real game changer for a lot of people and uh i just think your strategies that you've put forward today are absolutely fabulous thanks
1: louise that was a lot of fun